Uh, what do you think of the Batman? Uh, I liked it. I liked it. It was way different from Nolan's, but a good take. I thought the actor did a really good job. Um, I feel like it's more of a crime noir than like action film, but it's still got like a lot of comic book aesthetics to its storyline, like storytelling. If it, it kind of feels like a long comic book movie as opposed to like, you know, The Dark Knight is like an epic action movie to me, you know, so yeah more of like a yeah we'll put it but um i heard this one kind of like borrows some things from like year one and uh frank miller's dark knight rises or dark Knight. yeah yeah um you feel that uh yeah year one is a big reference and then there's a story with the riddler involved riddler is the main bad guy in this one and uh from what i understand that had a big influence and now well, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but man, I, I will say this. There's some really fucking cool fight scenes in this movie. And there's some like scenes that are just like very iconic. Like there's this really great scene. I, you see it in a trailer, so I'm not giving anything away, but he like, he's popping a red flare, but you don't, and it's a beautiful shot. But when you see the context of it, it just becomes so much more cooler. And it kind of gives hints onto the next movie if they're going to so do a second you, one, which you I think they will. Yeah, I, I recommend watching it. It's a long watch, man. It's almost three hours. Um, there's some parts where it drags on a little bit, but it's pretty captivating. Uh, do a really good job. I think the guy that does Commissioner Gordon, I like him as an actor a lot. And I think he does a pretty cool Commissioner Gordon. So I was kind of like, oh, man, what are they doing? And then I watched it and I was like, okay, it makes sense. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome to Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast. It's kind of like a book club, only for us video game nerds. I'm joined here today with Dave and Jack, and today we're going to discuss games that we've admired from afar. To put this into words, there's only so many games you can play in a lifetime, despite so many amazing titles coming out. And with that being said there are just certain titles you know that you've always meant to play but you just are never going to get around to it so i'm going to start first and then we'll go around and we'll see where everyone has examples of these experiences uh my first one is going to be halo i have never truly played through the halo series i've played a bit of halo 2 i've played some multiplayer but no i have never actually experienced halo and i know that that drives dave nuts but that's the reality of it. I respect Dave as a gamer and I respect, you know, his opinion telling me this is a fantastic title, but I just do not think that I will ever get around to experiencing it on my own. And, but I understand the reputation. I appreciate it. And that's why I enjoy hearing Dave talk about it. Um, but what kind of gamer are you? You've never played the first Halo? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be doing this podcast anymore. <laughs> I have tiny Asian hands that can't hold the American Xbox controller. Such bullshit. Not all of us are six foot Korean men who can actually handle that massive black box of a controller. Controller is um, a beast. Yeah, that thing. 
That thing <laughs> took some serious finger detriment. Like, no, it was like this. If you had to throw a grenade, I think you had to <laughs> unhook your hands. Yeah, and it's um, even worse when you got tiny-ass hands like I do. <laughs> Dude, that, that game was such a game changer when it came out, and now it's dated because you got games like Doom, to be honest, or Battlefield 1, you know, who are just so much more advanced. Uh, there's parts of that game. Yeah, but the latest Halo was very well received. So, yeah, okay, a Halo that came out 15 years ago is dated, but I they're still they're still producing really quality content oh yeah i'm not well that's 343 industries you know like bungie is doing uh destiny which is an accomplished shooter but i'm just saying like if you play that game the textures um all that kind of stuff how big the world was was like eye-opening and jaw-dropping when it came out and now it's kind of you know if you play it man i'm going to tell you there's long parts of that game where you're like did i really have to run this far or does this one level really have to look like they just copy pasted the same building like wall and just like folded on itself, the library, which is a pretty notorious level in Halo. But um, man, it just set up a, it set up a new era in gaming. I'd say it was like kind of the big, big, big change as far as modern gaming goes, you know, consoles really kind of stuck it to the PC on a first person shooter game. Um, you could land up like up to four Xboxes, which was, you know, something that was pretty crazy. A lot of kids were getting into it. So yeah, I feel bad for you, man. You've never played that game. Well, man, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I checked out portions of all three of the first Halo campaign and did not finish any of them. And don't really give a shit. Um, I will say Halo is badass. And back when I did have an Xbox or friends with Xboxes, that multiplayer was awesome. Just fantastic. Just sitting around a TV with like four controllers and just like hey, this motherfucker. Yeah. The online and, and two, I believe. Yeah. Halo 1 just had the LAN, but two is yeah. where they gave Dude, it the online part. Halo 1. Pistol on Hang'em High. That was the shit. Just such bullshit. Yeah. Drinking hella beer. Well, that was what's so great about it is I played, I didn't own the game, but I played it with a bunch of people who did, but I, I could hang because of the pistol because they would like be dual wielding. I'd be like across the map, like bing, bing. <laughs> so yeah, always a special place in my heart. Um, but I, I'm going to jump in here because in a very similar vein, there is a game, a shooter that Dave was very into that I really am kind of bummed that I will never experience properly. And uh, that is Overwatch, a game highly regarded. I just, I love the concept of it where it's a shooter, but all these different characters have all these different abilities. And the way to succeed in that game isn't through like sheer, just Twitch strategy and like cheese. And it's all about, the balance of these different skills and how you utilize them as a team across the different maps i'm sorry yeah no i'm sure you can speak more eloquently about this game because i've never experienced it firsthand but everything i've heard about it it just sounds like an amazing game and i was never willing to bite into it because i i just didn't 
I didn't want to commit that much time to, to a game that I knew had a really high ceiling of skill. And um, even as you were playing it nonstop, I always regretted that. And I always just was like, damn, I wish, I wish I could play this game. I wish I had more time. And I never did. And uh, so, so far we have a theme. Me and Matt are both, <laughs> are both picking first-person shooters that, that Dave loves. Uh, man, Overwatch, you take this game and you give it this Pixar-like aesthetic. So all these crazy-looking characters, like Genji is still one of my favorite fictional character designs ever. A cyber, like, mutant or just a cybernetic uh, ninja. You got Winston, which is a scientifically experimented on uh, an incredibly smart gorilla. You got all these crazy abilities going on. And it was just so much fun realizing that this wasn't a game where it was just six people who could kill the other person the fastest and that team wins. It was a game that was very much based on um, what kind of balance you're running, what kind of characters are involved. Um, you know, that Genji character I was telling you about, you can't just like jump into the, the full crowd and cut them up with your sword. But what you can do is when they're focused on pushing like a certain objective within the map and your team is like coming up against them, he's the guy that could go in from behind and just like start murking all the people with like low HP pulls, you know, which will, and as soon as in that game, there's a, team imbalance like it gets down to like two versus uh five or two versus six you know it really changes the dynamic of the match you know so uh yeah it's a shame jack that you weren't able to get into it and i think it's a game where probably in our prime we would have enjoyed playing it quite a bit so Most that's definitely. one for me too uh honorable mm. mention i'll say that like i love everything about the aesthetic of it i enjoy the concept i just never got an opportunity um, you know, I've spoken previously of that I do consider Apex to be a fun experience, but everything that I've heard and seen with this one um, was just vastly superior in a lot of ways. And I just have never actually experienced it beyond playing a cup of tea um, one night out with you guys um, when we went to a barcade, I believe. But aside from that, yeah, that's my only experience with Overwatch. Um, oh, yeah, I guess it's my turn to throw one up. Uh, I'm going to throw up a game where it comes from a part of gaming that I've lost touch base with, and that's platforming. And I think it's just crazy how platforming's advanced since I was a kid, you know, when it was Ninja Game 2 and Contra for the most part. <clears throat> so I'm throwing up Hollow Knight. It's a game I tried to start. Um, it, it looks so gorgeous and I know the story is like really cool and it gets super deep and there's just so much to explore and those are all qualities you know I was thinking about this list and it was like those are all qualities I enjoy about Elden Ring you know um, but the thing is it's just it's on that side of gaming that right now is pretty distant for me you know I, I don't see myself getting into platforming right now and probably not for a long time and would probably take something pretty special but I know that this game, it looks gorgeous. I tried playing it and it just kind of hold it, so. Yeah, I don't really need to comment on that other than I love Hollow Knight. It's a fantastic game. That's all I'll say. You should all play it. Anybody listening? That's actually on my list of games I intend to play 
um, at some point. I can't say that it'll happen soon, but um, I feel like that one, I still am in the realm of being curious, but I understand where you're coming from, Dave. I'm going to hop on your theme, though, with that kind of Metroidvania um, element and actually say Castlevania Symphony of the Night back on the original PlayStation uh, won all sorts of awards, was was highly acclaimed. I heard nothing but amazing things about the map design, about the gameplay itself. Always, always, always was like mentioned by like some of the video game critics I used to read when I was a lot younger as being one of the best titles they ever experienced. I never played it. Um, you know, I had terrible experiences with other Castlevania titles when on the regular NES, but uh, this one apparently was just a fantastic game, and, and I missed it, and it's way too old now. And there may be a remake available out there. I haven't bothered to look, but uh, again, I feel like I missed the experience when it actually would have blown my mind. And so I just have to look back on it and say, like, oh, that was one I could have had, but didn't. There is a remake on PlayStation, um, but I agree with you. It's something that I consider picking up, and in the vein of platformers, Super Mario World. I this is considered a stone cold classic. It, so many like those lists I read, it's in the top five, and I love this genre. I love two D platformers. And so the fact that I missed this game is just really a bummer, but I just, I just really hesitate at the idea of playing it because I don't think I'll be able to experience it the same way that the people who love it did. And I almost feel like they'd be doing it a disservice. I don't know if I've got kind of like the wrong idea behind that, but I mean, this game is so influential, but because it's so influential, a lot of those ideas that were fresh at the time have now been, have now been, you know, done over and over again and done over and over again in these games that I play now, you know, Hollow Knight, Celeste. Um, I mean, I could go on and on, but <clears throat> that's a whole generation I missed. Super Nintendo, which is, you know, I mean, so many people consider that like the golden age of video games, especially in our kind of age age bracket. But um, I, I never had a Super Nintendo and I had a couple friends who had Genesis. I, I never really... I've probably played like two or three Super Nintendo games my entire life. So um, that's that's one I just really regret that I'll never be able to experience it like it should have been experienced. That's how I feel with Breath of the Wild now too. Um, that's one that like, even though it's still, it's not a dated game, but I feel like I, I just, I don't have a Switch. I'm not going to pick it up. I'm playing Elden Ring. So I feel like at this point, you know, Elden, I, Breath of the Wild came out a while ago. There's a sequel on the way. Um, I, I think I just missed that one too. So um, again, it's an honorable mention one, not one of my main thoughts, but it, exactly the same sentiment as you, Jack. I loved Breath of the Wild, but after playing Elden Ring, I don't think I'll ever be able to like experience. Don't get me wrong. The sequel comes out. I'm sure I'll buy it and I sure will. I will enjoy it. But unless they do something really innovative with it, the fact that I've already played Breath of the Wild, the fact that I played Elden Ring, which is very similar in a lot of ways, I can't imagine I'll have the same level of awe and um, reverence for the sequel. But we'll see. I hope they prove me wrong. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to throw up a game, and it is called The Banner Saga. And it is a tactical role-playing game. And that was 
There was one game I played back in my youth on the Genesis called uh, Shining Force and Shining Force 2. And I remember just having a really grand experience with it. So I kind of caught myself asking my, I asked myself, is there a game out there now that I want to play like that? And I was suggested this game from a friend, uh, Ryan, who said that I would really love the 2D art in it. So when I checked out the trailer, it looks fantastic. It looks like a game that I would really get into. And that's kind of part of the problem is that there's three of them and they just released it a collected edition. And that kind of comes up to a point on this list for me is that some of these games are one, a bit older, but two, they come in just these big packages with so much history that it becomes dying to play. And that was kind of an experience for me on Mass Effect, you know, when I played through that. I mean, there's even a point where it's like, man, should I not play it? Should I give myself some time between the second and third game to play something else? And, you know, Matt was pretty adamant that I should push into it because it really is one long story. So um, I don't regret it. It was a lot of fun and good experience, but I just don't think I'm going to put myself through that again. Uh, I do watch the Lord of the Rings uh, extended editions back to back sometimes in my life. Uh, I don't know what really kind of drives me to do it, but there are been days where I just set aside about a 12 to 13 hour block to uh, Peter Jackson's vision of that. And it's just, I know Banner Saga is going to be like that, but that time frame is going to be so much more longer. <laughs> I just don't want to commit to it. So I feel like you can fall asleep too during Lord of the Rings and you'll probably wake up to them walking just like you fell asleep to them walking. So I never fall asleep. Never fall asleep doing this. Uh, it's fascinating you brought up Shining Force, though. Shining Force 2 is actually a, a game, too, that I would have considered um, on this list as well. Uh, but another one came to mind that I'd rather bring up, um, and that's Snatcher, which um, is a little-known uh, video game that came out from Konami. And I just read by pulling up its page that actually Hideo Kojima wrote it and directed it. So... That would explain some of the draw. But it was a cyberpunk game, more or less, only with a very anime, heavily influenced uh, art style. Really, really graphically violent. The gameplay itself looked pretty terrible. It was essentially a rail shooter. But, you know, more or less, it's basically Blade Runner, only in an anime universe. And um, apparently it had a really badass story that Kojima was forced to cut a big chunk of it just because... It was just too nuts and too over the top. But this was a game that was only released on Sega CD. And I don't know anybody who had a damn Sega CD. So, you know, none of the neighborhood kids for certain. So I uh, just never got a chance to play it. But again, I saw it in video game magazines back when those were a thing and thought it looked awesome and just never got around to it. And still it is, I think the thought of it to me is probably cooler than the actual experience would, would have been. And maybe I'll just keep it that way because, like I said, I think fondly of this game despite I've never having played it. Super Smash Brothers. There was this narrow window in my life. It was very brief where I got away from sports and GTA games and we had people over to the Coronado where me and Dave used to live different different apartments but same floor and we would play these party games towerfall ascension sports friends oh there was a bunch of them um i mean we did play 2k but um 
but these party games were something I'd never experienced before. Like four players just more built around just fun, goofy arcade, not like arcade arcade, but like just craziness, wonky, wonky action and, and fun. And it was so, it was just so energizing and just like, it was always just a great time. But um, that was robbed from me by my children. So I <laughs> uh, kid, um, but, but I really regret because I think like for everything I've heard about Super Smash Brothers, it is like this personified, this just insane action for people just doing it out, talking shit to each other, having fun. And um, I think I am, so I'm slightly breaking the rules here because I do plan on picking that up and playing with my kids at some point, but it'll never kind of approach that like level of, kicking back a shitload of beers with your friends and you know laying down money or or talking mad shit and just yeah um th- i think that ship has just sailed and that uh makes me a little sad uh <laughs> i think i'm gonna throw up a game and it's funny i make fun of matt for not playing halo one but uh not having beat the original super mario brothers I think I've accepted that I'm just never going to go back and beat it. So <laughs> that that is arguably, yeah, here it comes. It's not an easy game because we're used to like tight controls at this point. <laughs> and you were like, I remember it as tight controls, but it is not like you go back and it's super floaty. It's way harder than I remembered it when I when I rediscovered it uh, a few years back. But yeah, Super Mario Brothers haven't been, I think, 8-2 as far as I can get. I'm not sure how many jumps into it, but yeah, it's probably a game. I mean, in a lot of these games that we're talking about, the older stuff, like, can easily be picked up on emulators that you could probably put on your computer and it wouldn't cost you too much RAM or any more uh, memory storage. But um, yeah, I don't think even with a simulator, I'm going to go back and beat that game. I just don't have too much uh intention to do it that's a great idea for a future uh podcast uh definitely the games you started but could never complete um because i definitely have a few of those as well um i have one that kind of in a lesser vein but um assassin's creed black flag um i tried to do this one exactly like you were talking about dave with mass effect where I decided I want to play Assassin's Creed games. And uh, as I always bring a mention to the fact that I'm incredibly cheap when it comes to my video games. So a lot of time I get them all from used stores. So when I said I wanted to play Assassin's Creed, I wanted to play it from Assassin's Creed 1. And so I went out and I got Assassin's Creed 1 from a used game shop and played through that. And it was such a slog. that By the time I got to Assassin's Creed 2, I got about three quarters of the way through it and i just had to put it down because it was just it was dated it was just not it not as crisp as some of the newer ones and so because i'm you know have this completionist side to me it was very hard for me to just accept that like i could have probably just picked up black flag and jumped into it but that was hard for me to accept, particularly because the one thing i don't know if you gentlemen know but in the first Assassin's Creed, there's actually this weird elaborate subplot where there's like a future version of the protagonist, like in this futuristic hellscape where he's in a simulator 
and it's him channeling his ancestors and going back in time to actually experience the assassin you know lifestyle it's this really over the top crazy shit that they ended up killing off this character i think before black flag came about don't but, don't they all do that they all have that like flashback yeah. too I don't it's know if they, if they maintained it or not. Like I said, they I haven't did. played them. Maybe Terrible. The second one. <laughs> yeah. So, they keep get making it. them shorter and shorter with every new game. Okay. So so there you go. It, like, it came across to me as like it was important to play through all of them or whatever for some dumb reason. And because of that, I just couldn't bring myself to pick up, even though I've always loved the idea of a pirate game. And uh, yeah. Yes. I'm right there with you. Black Flag sounded so cool. I wanted to just get into that game so bad. And then when I actually played it, the future scenes just completely pulled me out of it. And I, I mean, through no fault of its own, I'm just not into stealth. And I just, I was left just bummed because I could not get into that game. Um, my only silver lining is I gave Plummer my copy and I think he really enjoyed the hell out of it. So. Yeah, no, I love that game despite the future crap. I was able to, I was able to push through most of that because uh, one of my favorite parts of the game was if I had to go somewhere far away on the map, I would just kind of plot these long straight lines where I just let the sail ship forward and I kept the sea channies on and then I would like, you know, go get a drink or go roll a joint, you know, or take bong totes while I listen to sea channies and watched whales jump out of the water and storms brewing up in the background, you know, and it's just like, it was, it was such a fun experience. Uh, I definitely didn't let the future stuff get in the way for the moments because I just took my time so much. I discovered there was fast travel and I never used it because I had so much fun sailing from one point of the, the world to the other point because you just come across all these islands that you never really see that got stuff on them um the, the sea cool. yeah the pirate fighting stuff i got really good at because i got so into it i had a fully upgraded ship so i was able to take on these four bosses that are in the corners of the map and they're all these uh boss pirate ships you know so it was kind of it, it the game's a lot of fun. It has a lot of faults to it. Yeah, the stealth aspect gets a little old, but um, yeah, for what it was, I think it was a great escape into a different, you know, universe. Right on. Jack, you have any other ones for us? No. Um, you know, I thought about like Disco Elysium just because I really respect the hell out of the idea of that game, but ultimately just not my style. Um, too intelligent <laughs> um and and that's really it um been pretty lucky to at least dabble my toes in most of the games i'm interested in over the last several years so the great thing about disco jack is you can just play raging alcoholic the whole time and see how that takes you so <laughs> you, you don't have to, to of, you still gotta listen to a lot of dialogue <laughs> i just <laughs> I'm, I'm not i'm i I'm not Bukowski. I can't even pull that off. You know, <laughs> I gotta. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think I'm good. I want to, I'm just going to drop. I'm probably never going to play Days Gone, guys. Sorry. No, no matter how much you talk that one up. As much as you're never going to play Monster Hunter World, I think Days Gone is definitely uh, up there. Matt and I both really enjoyed the hell out of Days Gone, but I don't think you're missing anything in the grand scheme of gaming with that one. It's just a thoroughly enjoyable game, and that's about it. Yeah, and, and 
I'll be the first one to admit, like Days Gone, I think was my affinity for that was less to do with the game itself and more just kind of appreciating certain components of it in a particularly shitty era of trying to get through your day-to-day life through the heart of the pandemic. Um, it was kind of uplifting to play a game that at its heart is just a really hokey action story with a actually decent romance portion tacked into it so and i know you're burnt out on zombie games dave so if i'm gonna recommend a zombie game i gotta really love it because i yeah like in the next few years i'm gonna play a really damn good zombie game and i'm gonna want you to play it i mean the last of us 2 is a perfect example of that you know like zombie army 5 is that (laughs) (laughs) free free games don't count free games where we just go (laughs) pop heads off and we played like what like three hours of that (laughs) there's some fun moments but Matt, yeah. did you beat that somehow like by yourself i did <laughs> that's not something to be proud of. On online once. <laughs> <laughs> you may collect the platinums jack but i defeat the shitty games <laughs> we gotta cover all spectrums here on catch go up <laughs> sometimes you gotta be the lord of shit you know <laughs> enemy of fun you got Lord of Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the words. Matt, Matt the Dung Eater. <laughs> <laughs> dung Eater. That's a great nickname for the guy who. Uh... <laughs> was it Desert Child? <laughs> I'm like, what is this game? Matt got like 30 trophies in last night. And I look up, I'm just like, I got to check this out. I go on Metacritic because I got a five out of 10. <laughs> yes jack but when we look at how much you have spent on all your gaming experiences hence why you've experienced so many of the games you've actually wanted to versus how much i've spent on my gaming I, entertainment budget i disagree i'm a frugal bastard uh i most of my games are free <laughs> i just i think i'm just more patient about <laughs> waiting for them I disagree, man. There's a reason why, like, I played certain titles that cost like, <laughs> three bucks at GameStop. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've covered that one. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Couch Co-op, video game podcast. Thanks again. Take care.